Flaming Scream Queen, Brandy Joe Plambeck. That's me, and you are the original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk, and this is Scaring, Scaring is Sharing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll follow your lead, but uh-huh. that lead was weird. That was weird. I don't know what's happening. This coffee is hitting just. In what the does it say? Way. You're not chubby. What does your cup say? says you're not cheddar you're just some common bitch what is that from it's from the show brooklyn 99 ah joe watched yep. that but i yes. did not so he would know he would probably laugh at this he he might he did really like it i feel like there was some character early on that he wasn't crazy about but i feel like that character went away i think it was a female character but mm, can't um left. did somebody leave the show oh yeah 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 uh, yep but and I may be just remembering that all wrong. You might. But be. if you are joining us for the first time, this is a place where Jeremy and myself talk about horror movies, horror news. We give a movie to the other person. We assign it that that person's not seen. We watch it. We come back. We chat about it. We say whether we liked it or not. That's pretty much the jizz of it. Mm-hmm. I said jizz instead of jest. I heard it. <laughs> you didn't react. <laughs> That's for the you listeners. You're like, I'm not giving him the satisfaction. That's for the listeners to react at home. <laughs> and I imagine they all laughed heartily. Jeremy, I have to tell you something. Yes. Tell I me. very much appreciate you. That's what I have to tell you. And oh, thank you. I don't know. I was just thinking about it this morning, <laughs> about how comfortable you are in your own sexuality, that you can like say that a guy's like a dreamboat. You don't mind me being a total gay horn dog. And I just appreciate that. I just have to say. Oh, well, you're welcome. Especially um, because we didn't like grow up around each other. We weren't like in friend circles. We really yeah. were just connected through Sarah and barely knew one another. So mm-hmm. it could have gone any old way. Like yeah, an episode love- or two in, you could have been like, can you tone it down? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's just uh, to be. I've, I've thought about this before. Sex is sex. Like, I don't really care. What, I agree. You know, it's just whatever. I'm not that. I know what I like. <laughs> and I'm fine if people want to talk about what they like because it's all just the same thing. So whatever. Yes. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Heart emoji. <laughs> I I'm I I I like to be with people that are. I love having a diverse friend circle, and I love learning from people and experiencing new viewpoints for life. So I like to have as many different types of people in my life as possible. Um, I think that yes. makes you a more rounded person. Indeed. It's all about being open-minded, which because of you and this podcast, I am definitely getting there. And mm-hmm. I try to remain open and, you know, I'm, I'm learning lots of things I like. I know we talked about the unknown on a previous episode. I downloaded it like totally illegally, I'll just say. Okay. Um, but I'm excited to check it out sometime and maybe we watch it together. So Yeah, I know, I know it's hard to find. Like, I think I was... Uh, trying to track it down and it's one of those flicks where i don't think it had like any big special like dvd or like blu-ray releases or if it did they're like long out of print and you know hard to find (laughs) now because they were done in like limited quantities yeah 
so this morning joe and i were talking and i was like he's like what did you watch last night because we each watch like our own things before we go to sleep and i was mm-hmm. wa- i'm watching better things which is this fx show that i absolutely love i'm just started it so there's like you know four seasons to binge i was like what did you watch and he like gave me this look like you know what i was watching which means he was watching cops because he loves cops <laughs> It's, he's either watching that or whatever his soap is, General Hospital. Like, every time I turn around, it's one of those two things. <laughs> As, why are you all sweaty? Oh, I was just watching Cops. <laughs> Getting real turned on. Yeah. No, but, like, and Cops can be fascinating to me. It also can be, not, like, triggering, like, I'm going to go out and, like, use again or something. But, like, I had one in particular running with the law that like i mean was not my bottom but like it should have been it was scary and i got arrested and it was a horrible experience very scary i spent a day in jail it was not great hashtag don't do drugs but mm-hmm. like watching it sometimes it definitely like the, like my adrenaline my heartbeat goes up because it is just like freaky so this morning going back to this conversation and he, i was like how do you go to bed watching stuff like that and he just gave me this look like bitch please and he said please you're one to talk and i was like horror is different because it is scripted it's from hollywood yours are true life stories and he's like not your snuff films <laughs> Which is a total joke. I don't watch snuff films. They allegedly don't exist. <laughs> Which, of course, they have to exist. I also, I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah, we have. They totally have to exist. 100%. Somewhere. Just Someone's like, got know, one stashed away. They're not on, like, YouTube or anything no, like that. No. Or Xtube. They're like, <laughs> if they exist, it's totally, here I am getting conspiratorial. It's like that Nicolas Cage movie, 8mm, where they get, like, made for, like, you know, obviously illegally for somebody. And then that person has it like locked away forever. And we'll never know. Like, I'm sure the, you know, the richest people in the world. Okay. Based on that, I have to go on a tangy because we finished squid game this week and I loved it. Loved Mm -hmm. it. It was so good. And I mean, we just watch it. So I imagine there's other people who haven't, so I'm not going to be spoilery. I loved everything about it, but there's one aspect I did not love about it. And Mm -hmm. without giving too much away, I'll just say the Americans. Horrible, horrible, yes. horrible, horrible. Like, like you have all this money and you couldn't get like decent actors. Like, what is ha- like they come into the picture and it is just so bad. Yeah, there's a Every habit scene with of them. I have sort of an explanation, I think, because uh, this is just something I've heard. I don't know it for sure, but I know like it happens sometimes with Japanese film. Uh, and Squid Game, of course, is from South Korea, but I imagine it can't be too different there as well. Um, where there's this habit of like if they have american characters they often there's not exactly a huge range of actors you know available in like japan or south korea Mm -hmm. that are fluent in english and are americans that are like look like stereotypical americans that their culture is picture that they can plug into something so often they just find like are you an american that lives here do you want to be in a movie (laughs) Uh, regardless of any acting talent or stuff so i bet you that's probably why those guys came off as like I don't think they're professional actors, most of these characters. Uh, And that's probably why they were probably just painful. Random Americans that like worked or people knew that were like, ah, you're an American. You speak English fluently. Want to be in a TV (laughs) show? Like, I bet you that's what happened. It probably was. But it was such a good show. I really, Mm -hmm. I, there was one episode in particular, I cried a lot. Um, I was very emotional. Yes. And yeah, it got me a few times. The acting was just so great, and yep. and really, I just loved it. And it has amazing twists. 
some great twists and just yeah it was really good and it's it's so interesting because things like and i don't know if they like made it for netflix so many times these netflix originals are not netflix originals they're from somewhere then netflix like buys them after they're already done that one was okay because i read that the guy that made it the filmmaker the tv producer whatever he was that made the show uh couldn't get it made in south korea because nobody wanted to buy it or put up the money for it so netflix netflix produced it I had seen lots of that, like, wooden girl, like, in, like, stores and things that were selling, like, squid gamey things. They had some mm-hmm. of the masks, and they had that, like, creepy wooden girl. Yep. And I thought she was going to be a bigger part of it than she was, because I really loved her. She was, yeah, like, so great. Yeah, it was just a cool, uh, iconic. Yeah, very piece, cool, set though. piece in there, yeah. so, yeah, very uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh, I did love that. So, yeah, very good show. Okay, going back to this conversation with Joe, and I mean, I know he was just giving me a hard time too, but like, I don't ever have a hard time watching something scary and going to sleep, but it made me think about all these, there's, you know, a hundred different like sort of surveys and theories about like, I remember seeing one not too long ago, it's like horror movies like are good for use because it prepares them to deal with stress. And I don't know, like there's all these like studies of what horror movies do. They're mm-hmm. horrible for you and you'll be a killer or like they prepare you for life better and you can handle stress or something like that. So, I mean, and it's also hard to say. You can't say horror movies do this for all people because we're all very different. But how do you think it helped you prepare as a human being? What do you think it did for you? Oh, uh, prepare? I don't know. Did it really do anything or did it make me sick and twisted? No. Uh, and maybe that's that maybe that prepared, prepared me to handle how real the world can get is because, you know, I'm like, well, at least I'm not at Camp Crystal Lake getting killed. You know, that's <laughs> that's what I think about where I'm like, well, I could be getting chopped up by Leatherface, but I'm not. So that's good. So I'm pretty well off. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know either. Like I was thinking about it and I just can't feel that it did anything for me in any regards. Like I don't feel like it made me more twisted. I I am less violent. I don't know if I'm less violent than I would have been if I never had watched a horror movie. But like the idea of violence is really horrible to me. Like slapping someone, punching someone, any of those things are not things that like that light sort of violence. I'm it's violence is violence, but that's also different than shooting or stabbing someone or you know, gutting them or whatever. But But like yeah. It's all the same spectrum. If you can't inflict pain on somebody, then, you know, you're good. I mean, um, yeah. phys- physical pain. I mean, sure. emotionally, I will pain. tear you apart. I'll tear <laughs> yes. your soul apart. I've got some experience with that, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, too, it's hard to trace back because uh, one thing I would say horror has given me is there is a great community of people obsessed with you know horror movies that made me feel home as a like an outsider because 10 i feel like the horror fan base tends to be the people that are like i don't like this mainstream stuff or like you know this sappy whatever you know we can look at the normies and be like that's for normies we're more hardcore we like weird stuff you know seeing people get killed and monsters and ghosts and crazy shit so yeah i don't know it also uh, didn't like open my mind to like believing in ghosts or whatever. Cause I don't, yeah. I would love no. to, it's not like I'm like, they don't exist. I'm just like, I, I'm very doubtful. Yeah. And most of that stuff to me is separate from like my horror fandom. That's like a whole other thing, you know, 
paranormal is like a whole other set of interests but i don't know you know just ever since i was a kid i was like i want to see monsters those are cool and then that just kept snowballing into other stuff so i guess you're either just born weird <laughs> drawn to the darkness if you will and uh yeah maybe it just gave us a safe haven to be the let our freak flags fly so to speak yeah i'm down for that i can dig that mm-hmm and Scream 6 is officially happening. What do you think it will be called? Hopefully Scream Kills. <laughs> no, I, online I've been seeing people say, I hope, I, I hope they call it Scream 2 and just confuse everyone. <laughs> Where they're like, oh, there, now there's another Scream 2. Scream 2 2023. Yeah, yep. <laughs> or Scream Forever. I mean, I hope that they I learn a little bit from the Halloween series. And Scream that... Returns. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know if it will be something like Scream Again or... Scream uh, and Robin. Now I'm just stealing from the Batman because could they, Scream they couldn't even They couldn't even say like Scream 6 because this last one didn't say Scream 5, so they yeah, couldn't even was, go that route. Nope. And I think it, I, well, at this point too, how do you feel, like, do you want them to bring back Sydney again? I... I don't know. Someone else asked me that, and I feel um, like you I want would have all to. new. I know. I feel like you have to, but I kind of want just all new characters at this point, or like I, whoever's left from the new one, like mm -hmm. do it about them in this next one. So I mean, I would love that, and I, of course, I would love Hayden Panettiere to come back, and she is pretty kick-ass, and it would be fun to have her sort of be like the new one of them, like Courtney Cox or Nev Campbell, like that she could be a legacy character of sort, even though she's only been in one other film. But like, if she could come back, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the one thing I really, really want from it is for her to come back. Sure. I mean, I think that every that they don't regret like killing Randy, even though everyone loved Randy. I think it was a good move to make spoiler alerts from 20 some years ago. But I don't think that they'll kill Mindy or I hope they don't in the second one. Who's like, you know, the new Randy, because I love her. Mm -hmm. I hope they keep her. I want a callback to Stu. And I mean, I thought that was going to happen here. So we'll see. Yeah, somehow. I don't know how. I mean, he's probably dead, but somehow to do some something, something. Get Matthew Lillard in there. Just like, not a some creepy sort of, ghost, please. Yeah, not a creepy ghost, but some sort of weird thing or I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they could do a meta thing with it. And like, since they keep doing the stab movies, like... Have one of the stab movies, Matthew Lillard, play a character in one of the like actor Matthew Lillard, like as himself playing, you know, like a version of <laughs> Stu or something like that in one of the stab movies. I think that would be fun. I did see a meme someone did where they're like, I in Scream 6, all I want is a clip from Stab 2 with Parker Posey playing Gail Weathers in like the recording studio. Like, so they yeah. have that like recording studio shot of her like hiding behind the wall, but with yes. like Parker, Parker Posey's Posey. face. That'd be and fun. that would be because I mean, Parker Posey also, if they could bring her back in regards to being in some of those stab movies since she was in a plethora of them, that would also be ingenious. Because yes. I love that they had more of the stab movies in this one, and I would love more of that too. More of that. And more James A. Janice cameos, please. <laughs> yes. And I saw someone, and actually this was before the announcement, but they said, like, I hope one of the these times it's actually just a full stab movie that we see. Yeah, that would be great. Or just make <laughs> make a new series. Make a stab movie. Like, make the stab series as a spinoff from Scream. As a spinoff. I, I think the world is ready. 
Because here's the thing. Like, I mean, when you see these stab movies, they're showing scenes that no one would know this is how the scene went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wish that it didn't do that. I mean, and I understand that it has to sort of do that so that, like, we're sort of seeing the scene remade. Like, w- with Casey Becker. Like, no one yeah. knows that that's how it went down. The killers got killed. Yeah. No one knows how that went. But, like, there are some funny lines in there that I love that obviously, like, did not happen in the original one. She's like, I don't know who you are, but I don't like you already, or I dislike you already. <laughs> like, yes. And she's taking a shower. And, like, there are these things in it where they, they didn't happen like that. And I love that so much. And I wish that there was more of that, like seeing a scene that we know what they're doing. But obviously, since no one really knew how it played out, it's not, it doesn't go the same way. Yeah. Slightly alternate. They could be like alternate, alternate Alternate universes. Yeah. Universe scream movies. And I'm sure if you're doing the stabs properly, Hollywood, listen, it would be more like a traditional slasher movie and probably less of the, you know, how clever we know scream. So it would be like a throwback type of slasher movie that's like an alternate version of a scream movie. And surely, like, I mean, like any movie, there's so much that ends up on the cutting room floor. I bet there has to be so much more stab footage that, like, was not shown in these movies. And we need to see that. Yeah, see it. Release it. Because that's the only thing you couldn't go back and do, like, stab one, because Heather Graham's, like, way too old now and everyone else yep. in it. Like, Luke uh, Luke Wilson, is he the one who plays Billy? I think so. I think it's Luke Wilson. Yep. And they and they've also gotten up to what like in universe it's like stab eight or something or yeah. nine or whatever they're up to at this point. So clearly spoofing Friday the thirteenth um, mm-hmm. with high numbers like that. But also, I saw that Evil Dead the game is coming out super soon. Are you going to play that? I'm interested. Um, I've I've I think it's going to be one of those player versus player like. Uh, kind of like the game Dead by Daylight or the Friday the 13th game out where it's like lopsided where you have like survivors fighting killers. Or maybe this one's going to be, I think it's Ash and like his allies fighting zombies and you can be on whatever team uh, or demons, I should say, deadites. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but it looks fun. So like Dead by Daylight, I could only play if I was like connected to a network and there were other people online playing. Is that correct? I think so. I don't know if they give the option to just like play on your own. Uh, But yeah, it's supposed to be you're playing against other live people and like one person controls a killer and everyone else is survivors trying to run and hide. Um, I remember it's it's a game too that like I've only played it a little bit. Like I played it when it first came out and it was kind of buggy and uh, not as like uh great as it is now because i know it has a very big community that love it uh so i've jumped in there and played it a little more but i'm like behind the curve now where i'm like i haven't been playing this for years so i'm not good at it and i don't know (laughs) how to control anything or do anything so it's okay there's also this horror game called until dawn that hayden panettiere is a character in i Mm -hmm. probably i mean we've done this so long now i'm sure i probably talked about this have you played that yes until dawn was awesome was it yeah i've heard Uh, it's good i it's like a horror movie you play like you don't do a whole lot of like it's probably a video game you would be into because you don't have to do a lot of well actually i don't even know if you're a video game guy i just assume you're not because we've never talked i'm not but i want to be i used to be like when i I was like a tech you know like a game boy kid and i love the old old school stuff yeah that was like now it all seems so complicated it seems like it i feel like most video games nowadays are actually easier than like the nintendo days because some of those games i feel like were unbeatable by design well 
I had read a thing where nowadays they want you to consume video games. Like they want you to buy as many. And they know part of that is they have to make them beatable that you can like play the whole game and get to the end and then you'll buy the next one. Whereas back in the Nintendo days, they literally designed things to be harder um, because they knew kids, you know, disposable income. You weren't buying as many games per year. You would get maybe like one video game a year. So they better design that thing to take a long time for you to beat, make it challenging till you get the next one. So interesting. Yeah, that's part of the game design theory, how it used to be. But anyway, Until Dawn is literally like a movie that um, you kind of play like you get to control the characters a little bit, but you hit points where you're like, do you go this way? Do you go that way? Do you open this door? Do you walk away from that door, go somewhere else? And it's like a choose your own adventure horror movie that's got like a bunch of different outcomes. Uh, you can make it to the end of the game with all your characters still alive. And if you could do that, that's like a, you know, that's how you win ultimately the game. But uh, I've played it through a couple of times and usually like half my cast gets killed <laughs> before so we make it to the end. Give me an idea though. Like if I were to play it all the way through, like what is my time that I'm looking at? Like five hours? Yeah, probably okay. something like that. It's it's not a lot of game time to get to the very end. Probably. OK, I'm just, I, I I'm played just curious. I played it through the first time like I did it over a vacation from like it was like Christmas, you know, around Christmas time or something years ago. So I had a bunch of time off work. So I did it in a couple of days, like made it through the whole game playing for like chunks at a time. So but yeah, it's got uh, Rami Malek is also in mm, it. Love uh, him. Yeah. And some other I'm pretty sure everybody is somebody of note that. The, the only thing now is I went back and played it more recently and it came out early in like the life cycle for PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360. Uh, so it like the graphics don't look that great already anymore. Like you watch it and you're like, oh, they're really like wooden looking and kind of goofy compared to like games that are coming out right now. So the graphics have already jumped ahead like another generation since that game. So. Yeah, I, I feel like early pandemic, I should have hopped back into it because that was like a time when there to was that, extra yep. time and such. But I, I am curious and I would like to try it out. So but that one was cool. And I know they actually did more like there's uh, a couple more games set in the same universe that that Until Dawn set up. So is it like a slasher? Uh, is that like what? Like sort of element it, yeah the horror element is like it feels like a slasher movie and it kind of switches genres on you as it goes forward so okay. it's got elements of a haunted house story a slasher movie it's got monster movie flavor to it like it goes Fun. all over the place yeah um oh uh larry fessiden is in there who's that uh who we have discussed before he was in um what's it called we are still here uh, and he was the the husband, like oh, the yes. goofy medium husband. Love him, Love yeah, Larry. Him. And he is also an indie like horror filmmaker. So, okay. Uh, and he he was one of the writers of Until Dawn. So, cool. Yeah, yeah, so, I do love him. They I got some serious him. indie horror cred there. And Hayden, mm -hmm. and Hayden. So, justice for Kirby. Hashtag but good stuff. What have you have you watched anything this week? Yeah, I wanted to jump in there and talk about and in fact it was well actually totally unhorror related but uh Sarah and I randomly rewatched uh 16 Candles. Oh, not fun. that long ago. Um It's pretty problematic, but It's incredibly pro that's all we talked about the whole time was like, yeah. oh no, this has aged 
Yeah. Not that most of John Hughes's stuff doesn't exactly right. age well anymore, but that one is particularly bad, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so we watched that. We we're like, oh, no. And she'd yeah. never seen it. That was the thing. She'd never seen oh, 16 wow. Candles. And I hadn't seen it since I was like a young teenager. So uh, yeah. it was it was harsh. It's not like, you know, I remember Breakfast Club pretty well because I've seen that like a hundred times, even in adult life. But 16 Candles was one I not visited for a very long time. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, there's still some nostalgia, of course, because you're like, yeah, yeah, I still have fond memories of it. But anyway, to the horror my brother and I were actually hanging out last Bert. night Bert. and we watched a couple of, we revisited getting ready for the new one. I did a couple of Texas chainsaw sequels. So rewatched part two, the original part two again for like the millionth time, which that's a movie for me that has had the same trajectory in my life as Halloween three did, which is the first time I saw it. I'm like, I hate this because it's so, you know, it's totally different from the original and blah, blah, blah. It's like more of a horror comedy is what they were trying to do with it. And it's really goofy. First time I saw it, I was like, this is terrible. And then eventually you're like, oh, this is a movie that's so bad. It's kind of good. Uh, and now I'm just like, it's just good. I just like it now. Like I <laughs> revisited it too much. And so just like Halloween three, it's turned into a movie that I'm like, I think it's kind of, you know, it's got its fan base and we're the ones that are like everybody else. You guys are just not getting it. Like this is genius. So that's how I feel about Texas Chainsaw part two. I've only uh -oh. seen it all the way through once. And that's like when it first came out because yeah. I have not, I've tried to rewatch it and just made it so far. And I usually just, yeah, it's Fair it's off. it's high camp. It's a high camp Texas Chainsaw is what it is. Uh, and then we watched Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Which I know we've talked about the trailer many times because it's so great. The incredible. teaser, rather. The incredible. So we, we we watched that, too, the trailer. So where he plucks up the chainsaw. So and the lightning, random, though. The lightning strikes it, and they're like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And I'm like, yeah, I wish they made that movie. I know. But Texas Chainsaw 3... Um, I still have a soft spot for it. I think it's a better movie than people. I think it's like a forgotten sequel in the series that people just kind of like brush over because they talk about the, you know, the campy craziness of Texas Chainsaw 2. And then they want to skip to Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation, which was like a movie that's just from what I remember, it's so bad. It's bad. Like it's insane yes. that they made yes. that one. And I'm wondering if I haven't seen that one for a very long time. I've only seen that once, like as a, you know, many years ago, I think in college. Uh, so I'm wondering if I revisited that one now, would I also feel like this is so bad it's good or is it just still bad, bad? Yeah. Because um, I don't feel like it has the same camp fun that two has. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, three, I think is a better movie than people, you know, it was New Line Cinema. That's when they took over and they did uh, three you know, it's got Viggo Mortensen in an early role as one of the family members. He's uh, he plays a good bad guy. I think a sinister bad guy. Uh, the members of the family for that movie are particularly gross and like memorable in that one. So, yeah, I think it's a little better. I don't, I don't know how people feel about that, but I know it gets dismissed a lot. And I'm like, I think it's a decent entry compared okay. to a lot of what came after it. So. That's my thoughts. 
There's like a little girl with like a skeleton doll or something, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. I, that's like was, what I remember. She has a weird line. Like, Yakety yak. Don't talk back. And you're like, <laughs> I don't. What were they thinking with this? And the little girl is supposed to be Leatherface's daughter. Like that's what they're alluding to, which gets real creepy and weird mm. to think about. So. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah. did in part two, they did kind of introduce that Leatherface is a horny guy. So they, they allude to that. So you're like, Ugh. I, yeah, I, I accept that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. Anything else? Nah, that's really of note recently. But again, like I said, getting pumped for the new. So better not disappoint me. But in anticipation, I'll probably be revisiting various Texas chainsaws in the lead up to the new one. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I just finished Squid Game. That's it for me. Oh, okay. Well, shall we share them? Yeah, let's get to the assignment. Oh, and we didn't have any telegrams this week, which is fine. You guys have been fantastic. But if you do want to write us, uh, scaringissharing at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on the Insta, you can find us scaringissharing, all one word. And apparently on our platform there's a place to share feedback too if you're looking for the various places to listen to the show so there's that yes. one we've learned now i think uh, that might be through our link tree which is through our link our, yep. yeah which is on our instagram that's it so there you go get at us but um let's share those movies i guess i'm going first yeah uh in the movie i had like gotten all ready to uh i was a little torn what i was gonna do this week and I had this one movie in mind and then I quickly went to look and it was on HBO Max and now it's gone. Um, and then I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't want to do that one. <laughs> I'm sure we could find it, but then I switched gears. And so what I want to do is go for something uh, a little more fun. And so I'm assigning you the original, the first Maniac Cop. That does sound fun. So I know it's like super gory and very 80s. I don't know how he's a maniac. I don't know if he's like a monster or if there's like a toxic avenger sort of thing where something happened to him and he comes back very... I mean, he's a maniac cop, so I bet he's a bad cop. Like a cop who you think is going to help you and then he like pokes your eyes out and <laughs> like rips your spinal cord out of your body or something. So I, I think he's a good cop gone bad through some sort of um, some sort of transformation, struck by lightning, thrown in a vat of acid. I don't know, but he comes back, and he's just not the same. And you know, he once had a love interest, and now she is, you know, trying to connect with him. But he's not he's not the same anymore. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. And I've just not seen this because it's never been quite up my alley, but I think um, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. I think that Savini's evolved somehow, so I think that the gore is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's in it? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm gonna give you, and I've wanted to give this to you forever, and then there was one time when I just, like, I could give you all this guy's movies because you should watch them all, but I am going to give you Absentia. Absentia. Oh, man. Um, Absentia. Oh, God. What is, who is the guy that made this? Can't remember. I'm totally blanking, but I know he's somebody I think we've even covered uh, on here before that I'm totally blanking on. Absentia is a movie that uh, 
full disclosure, I think I started watching this once before, but Time. I don't remember anything about it. And I know I didn't finish the movie. Like this was a sort of like on Netflix. I think I watched like the first 10 to 20 minutes or something. And I don't remember. I think I have a vague plot idea, which has something to do with somebody has gone missing. Uh, hence the title absentia, meaning absent, gone. <laughs> um, so somebody's missing. They're trying to find him. Like it's, it's like a guy's buddy or brother or relative or something, you know, somebody close to someone he's trying to find him and something mysterious has happened to this guy. I feel like a, I'm going to say a supernatural force has taken somebody and it's up to his like family and close people to figure out what the hell happened to this guy. And they're going to get drawn into some deeper, darker thing and hilarity will ensue. Love it. That's what I think will happen. And I would say, why haven't you watched it? But it sounds like you tried to watch it and you were like, yeah, I'm not having it. Yeah. It's one of those like, and I don't know if it was, I didn't like it or what, because I just don't even remember much about engaging with this. Like, I know the title and I remember hearing it was good, but I don't remember ever finishing it or like what was happening very much in the movie because I used to do that a lot on Netflix was like half watch, like a million, you know, I was always just putting shit on as background or check stuff out and then never coming back to it for whatever reason. Um, and I feel like back in the, that would have been years ago when watching Netflix also came with like pounding some beers. So uh, mm -hmm. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of things get lost or only half watched or whatever. Just background it noise. used to be on Shudder. I don't know if okay. it is. So you let me know if you have any difficulty finding, finding it. Finding it. Okay. I'll hunt it down. All right. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We are returned to talk about some movies. Hell yeah, we are. We're going to talk about some scary movies. A little bit, actually. I mean, at least in the genre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think these these two have their legitimately frightening moments. Mm-hmm. And, mm -hmm. and uh, content. Yes, we'll kick us off. That's right. We're starting it off with Maniac Cop, directed yes. by Bill Lustig. Uh, and I freaking love this tagline you have the right to remain silent forever <laughs> and that sweet sweet letterboxed synopsis is in new york people are slain and strangled to death brutally on the open street all witnesses agree that the murderer was in a cop's uniform soon the police search and find a suspect in its own ranks jack forrest suspected of murdering his own wife and the rest of the unfortunate individuals to die by the maniac cop's reign of terror to prove his innocence he investigates the case with his partner Teresa mallory yeah that's it that's part of it. I feel like that's a little bit spoilery, but at the same yeah, time, it's I don't not know. really because you know he's not the killer from the get go anyway. So, yeah, I guess that was one of like, it feels a little all over the place in that regard. Just like I, I knew it wasn't going to be Bruce Campbell and like not spoiler because this is like so old, but like, you know, it's not going to be like either make it really seem like it's going to be and like we for sure don't know it's not going to be him or just. I don't know. It just felt weird to not to go until the very last like five minutes before you see his face. 
even though yes. like even once we've set up we know exactly who the the maniac cop is and we still don't like see his face it's like they had no money to do the slight prosthetics that involved his face <laughs> i know exactly i always I think like that, it was cheap i've rewatched this like god i've seen this movie plenty of times now and yeah I, I always think that's such a weird choice that they just kept him in the shadows until the the end and it's not even that impressive a prosthetic or makeup totally. they put on him so it's like what why why so I do think this movie is fun. It's especially just feels like 80s New York trash. Like I love like that whole aesthetic. Bruce Campbell, Tom Atkins, they're both so good. Mm-hmm. I, I love the the you know the undercover woman cop. I love her. Uh I, I think it's a good time, but like I had to look to see like where it fell in line with Robocop, and it came out like the year after, right? I think so. That sounds right. Because it feels along the lines of like, oh, RoboCop, like, let's do something similar. Whereas the first time I watched RoboCop was like when I was like, had been asked to direct the musical at Go Comedy. And I was like, oh, I got to watch this. And I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. But it felt like a horror movie in regards to like the bloodshed and the kills were just Mm -hmm. like so over the top and grotesque and gory. And I was just like, wow, that's a gory movie. And this felt sort of in response to that, like, let's do a more horror version of RoboCop. But the gore is not amped up. It's less than RoboCop. Like, it's it could almost be PG-13, like, truly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you say that, too, because I think about, like, man, yeah, action movies of the 80s really did kind of push the envelope with how horrific they wanted to be. Because, like, not that long ago, I watched Rambo 2 and 3. Uh, I'd never seen those. Um, just the first Rambo, which is like an entirely different movie from everything that came after it. Um, okay. But those, those, yeah, the level of gore and violence in those is like a horror movie. And I'm like, God, yeah, that was just standard for the 80s was just blood and guts action. Uh, and something like Maniac Cop does feel like a response to like, fine then, our horror movies are going to have a bunch of action in them now just because you guys <laughs> are trying to take all the violence from us. So now we're going to go for crazy action set pieces in uh, these 80, 80, especially Bill Lustig. He had a really good um, uh, sense for that in his, uh, you know, his horror movies. Which is just what I was about to say, because, I mean, it's, of course, very clever that he also did Maniac, which is yes. just like, how cute, you know? There's a, st- there's a little bit of a story behind that, too. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that in a sec. But Maniac is so gory and so, like, it's what I want this movie to be. But also, and then I'll turn it over to you. I feel like as I'm watching this and what I was saying to you about what I thought the movie was and how I thought it was like Tom Savini, I think now I remember In Search of Darkness, I believe two, I think they cover Maniac Cop 2 because they talk about how it did well or whatever, and then they upped the ante on everything for the sequel. I feel like it's gorier and maybe Savini's involved in the second one. Is that true? Maybe. I don't remember. Okay. But I think I read that two is better than one in regards to they. everything's just heightened from what this first one is. Full disclosure, the only reason I picked this movie, it's all preamble, so later we can cover Maniac Cop 2, which I think is a <laughs> way better movie than this one. Even though this movie's fun, Maniac Cop 2 is one of those, much like Ghoulies 2 to Ghoulies 1, it is you know, the same movie just amped up and on steroids and more fun, more eighties, more crazy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't show in the special effects at least. 
of part two that it is a Savini, so I think I'm wrong there. But I definitely think I remember In Search of Darkness talking about how two takes it to another level. So I am excited about that and definitely looking forward to seeing where it goes. And I'm also just looking at the poster for Maniac right now. And just gotta say, I'm sure that poster made me gay because his bulge is so prominent. It's so hot. <laughs> and then it's just so funny because Joe Spinell is not hot. And I mean, to some people he probably is, but he is just not, he's so gross and creepy in that movie. He's not Elijah Wood, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But that poster is so hot. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> and and so just gotta put that out there. And that maniac connection too. Yes, uh, tell me. The... So Bill Lustig, after doing the first Maniac, I can't remember if it was a producer. It was somebody. People were after him, like, do a sequel to Maniac because it was so profitable for distributors and producers that worked on the movie Um, because apparently it cost nothing to make but made, you know, tons of return uh, once it came out. Um, So, and he, he, uh, you know, Bill, good on you for having some artistic integrity uh, he never wanted to do a sequel to Maniac because he said he said everything he needed to say with the first Maniac. He didn't want to cheapen it with a sequel, even though even Joe Spinell himself like wrote and tried to produce a sequel himself before he uh, for his untimely death. Oh, wow. um, but but uh, at some point, at some dinner, talking movies, you know, trying to get stuff produced, somebody told him like you should do a sequel to Maniac but like marry it to another genre, like maybe like a police procedural and you could call it Maniac Cop. And apparently that was like being struck by lightning and Bill Lustig was like, that's the movie. I'm doing Maniac Cop as my next uh, flick. Uh, He got Larry Cohen to write it. The legendary Larry Cohen who wrote and directed The Stuff, which we covered a little while back. So it's kind of funny too, to think about like Larry Cohen wrote this had he directed it this would have been a way funnier and goofier movie because that's kind of where his sensibilities went and bill lustig is definitely a lot darker uh like still fun but you know he goes a little more hardcore realistic so he took it in a uh less goofy direction i feel like we would have had something more akin to a trauma movie had larry cohen been directing this the commentary on police brutality in this movie very timely still it's like yeah things just don't change huh uh, that is for sure and i was reading i think on someone's letterbox review so i don't i can't speak to the accuracy but that the budget for this was 1.1 million and that its worldwide gross was 671,000 so it didn't mm. seem to do very well and weren't the other ones were they direct to video um yeah i do think two and there's two and three i think two and three were both straight to video and he directed um, both of them right yeah he directed all of them maniac cop 3 he attempted i was that the one where he wanted the direction credit to be credited to Humpty Dumpty or something like that because what? he didn't want to make it. He got like forced into doing it by the studio. He didn't even finish directing the movie. He like made part of the movie then left and then, you know, the distributor had to finish the rest of it with a different director. So he has pretty much disowned 3. And it's 3's not great. It's okay. But after 2, it's like how can you top 2 cuz 2 goes so for so hardcore. Goes so hard for it. It's hard to picture why they would make another one but and bruce campbell is just such a dreamboat and i mean this is many years after evil dead right no this is wasn't evil dead like 81 well yeah that was 81 and then i'm saying this is there's like at least five years between the two 
Yeah, Evil Dead 2 was 87. Yeah, uh, like right before this or this is, around. This is Bruce Campbell's first non-Sam Raimi role. Okay. Yeah, this was the first jump where he was like, I need to not just work for my friend all the time. <laughs> I need like an actual acting career. And that's how he ended up in this uh, and in fact, he got cast off of Bill Lustig seeing Evil Dead 2 and being like, that's the guy I want him in this movie. Uh, so he pretty much just got handed the part. And while I don't mind a story where you're sort of following one person, then you're following someone else. it I like it when it's by design and it doesn't necessarily feel like that here. But maybe that's just me. It just feels a little like, I don't know, maybe I'm not even with Tom Atkins that much at first mm-hmm. like it's just it's all over the place in regards to like what my focus is supposed to be yeah it keeps trying to trip you up it brings in like bruce campbell he gets sidelined and then all of a sudden tom atkins you're like oh you know tom atkins is great you know horror movie legend right there so sure we'll spend some time with him uh and then spoilers guys spoilers abound like we said but it's an old movie so whatever but he gets killed suddenly where you think he's the hero. And then all of a sudden it switches back to Bruce Campbell and you're like, yeah, it is kind of all. And then, you know, the partner comes in and out of this, the question, you know, this is a movie too, where uh, the amount of chin chiseled chin in this movie, because you have (laughs) both Bruce Campbell known for his chin, especially at that time. uh, And Robert Zadar as the maniac cop, who puts Bruce Campbell to shame? But you with barely the size of his, see it. His jawline, and that's actually his jaw. That's. But not I mean, you barely see it. You barely see it, but still, Robert Zadar. <laughs> look him up. Look up photos of him. He's infamous for. I'll his wait giant, till part two, and I'll, then I'm sure giant, I'll see it a lot. His giant jawline, so he's very, <laughs> very noticeable. Um, uh, may he rest in peace, because we did lose Robert Zadar a couple years ago. Okay, uh, I have a major question. I don't sure. I don't know what version I watched. I watched it on my little site. Yeah. There were all of these weird scenes that the quality was very like everything was super HD, beautiful, crisp. And then there are all these scenes with like the mayor. There's probably five scenes with the mayor that the quality is very bizarre. Oh, like it's you a VHS. Mu- yeah, you must have watched. I bet you that's some kind of extended cut or something like that. Or they they're not some- in the original. Like it doesn't end with like the mayor on the phone, and then it like goes over, and you see the feet of the maniac cop like in the window, and he comes out and kills him. Nope. Okay, because that's like the last scene in this movie. But nope. all of these scenes were like very bizarre, like in regards to their quality, and they also did not help. Like I know that the mayor's like a subplot, but mm-hmm. it was much i'm like i could see why these should not be here (laughs) yep you must have watched some sort of let's see oh okay so i have the blu-ray okay uh and on the back here it says in the special features it includes additional scenes filmed for japanese television you must have watched some sort of cut that included scenes that were shot for a television version interesting because the mayor does not appear in like the original cut of the movie at all so does it tell you what like the runtime of the one you watched is yeah that is 85 minutes long yeah the one i watched was 90 minutes so you said 85 so this one had roughly five minutes of additional footage that didn't need to be there okay but that all makes sense now okay you watch some cut with some deleted scenes cut back into it so 
and <laughs> the the biggest laugh to me was when that cop handcuffed himself to that woman. Like I'm like that is like cannot be what anyone was ever trained to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could understand like handcuffing two perps together. Is that the right word? Perp. Yeah. 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 Um, Perpetrators. Perpetrators. Perps. Yeah. Yeah. No, perps. I could understand handcuffing two perps together. Like it'll make it harder for them to act as whatever but like to handcuff yourself and then it's just so weird because a maniac cop comes out stabs him and then seemingly disappears for a while i'm like you just stabbed him why wouldn't you get her and she she acted like it's like she knows he's no longer there that was just the weirdest scene to me but i loved him coming in i thought she was gonna get killed Mm -hmm. at that point like out on the roof like in front of bruce campbell like i just thought that would have been a great tragic hero sort of thing to see you know your your gal and and yes and then you have this long car chase scene the car chase scene just goes on and on and on (laughs) yep they're getting their money's worth they must have been able to get the stunt you know drivers together and stuff and they're like all right we we gotta make this worth all the money we spent on this car chase totally I, i mean it it is fun. There's lots of really good qualities. I'm just like, I want it to be gorier. I want it to be crazier, but it feels like a good setup. And I mean, you have some horror icons in there with Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell for sure. And I'm not as familiar with Lustig, but like just knowing that he directed Maniac makes this and that this is Maniac Cop is pretty impressive. Yep. And yeah, he's he's just fun with Bill Lustig. You know, there, there's going to be it's going to be fun <laughs> regardless of the overall quality of the film. You're going to have fun watching it because at least he keeps things moving. He's got an eye for action. So there's going to be things going on uh, all the time. Yeah. And I just think it would have been better from the start. We know it's not Bruce Campbell, but everyone else thinks it's Bruce Campbell and he's desperately trying to convince people it's not him, which eventually happens. But for a while, we're supposed to like think it's him, which maybe worked in the very first iteration if you're seeing it in the cinema for the first time. But I just think it would have been better if like almost the whole movie, everyone thinks it's him, but he knows it's not him and we know it's not him. I just wonder if the journey could have been a little more exciting just having Mm -hmm. it very much set up like that yeah some tighter plotting maybe or something there he's just not introduced for so long even tom adkins it feels like a while before we get to him and then it's like is he our guy is he who we're watching okay okay he is oh all right oh no uh no 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 it's not no he's gone (laughs) oh it's back to bruce campbell i also like that kind of vague idea of like the maniac cop so like is he alive is he a zombie like (laughs) i guess he's a zombie because there is that moment where she's like i shot him in the head twice yeah nothing happened so you're like okay so he is like a zombie but i guess just his rage (laughs) at the other officers that sold him up the river or what like brought him back to life i guess i don't know it it's he's never really explained not in a way well i guess it's kind of like jason how does jason keep living he just keeps coming back so and i did have that sort of friday the 13th analogy in regards to his girlfriend that was like at the crutches like she sort of felt like a mrs Voorhees. like oh totally kill him jason (laughs) kill him until he's like i don't need you anymore bitch and then just kills her so (laughs) you're like oh man wow he's cold-blooded but like my idea of what it was, like I thought maybe a monster, maybe toxic avengery. I thought maybe 
I, I did say like you think he's a good cop and then he pokes your eyes out and that pretty much happens just not that exciting mm-hmm. he was never a good cop gone bad he's just always was a bad cop really gone and, worse right and he did have a love interest who was trying to connect with him still but yeah and no tom savini but she was like egging on his bad behavior yes so, she was like yeah. yes yes kill kill just oh wait uh, oh no the bad people please yeah not me oh dead too late <laughs> but it's fun i i think it's worth a watch yeah absolutely a lot of fun so out of um oh man because this movie has so many close-ups on those police the white uh dress gloves. gloves so yes. out of five white dress gloves how many do you give it i'm gonna give it three dress gloves cool okay that's good that's good i give it i'm gonna give it oh man i want to go higher you know i think a three and a half after talking about you it. lowered your score i saw I on your letterbox on yeah. accident today half a half a star three and a half it's a solid three and a half well that um, gives us a scare of approval yeah buddy we love it when we have an soa and i'm part of that too is i'm so excited to cover Maniac Cop 2 at a later date because I feel like it's such a jump <laughs> in like, uh, at least for me, I see it as like, oh man, this movie is a million times crazier than the first one, but you have to see the first one to understand what's going on. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And I never would have watched these movies, which goes for most of the movies you give yeah, most of them. <laughs> I got a, I got a deep deep roster of weird 80s slashers that you know get get more and more obscure the further down we go and people are like what the fuck movies are these how do you know these i love it i love it thank you thank you for giving it to me good jamie i i I aim to please (laughs) all right well let's move on to absentia and i have two different places to do things here let's see uh all right the absentia tagline on letterboxd is there are fates worse than death i won't read the description there because it is a long ass paragraph so from imdb the description is a woman and her sister begin to link a mysterious tunnel to a series of disappearances including that of her own husband Oh, and that's pretty much it. So watching this, I was trying to remember because I knew that this was a movie. Like I said, I had some exposure to it. I'm pretty sure I watched like the first 15 to 20 minutes and then gave up on it. Like the time I attempted to watch it and uh, stuff started to come back to me. I feel like this was a movie that when it came out, I think like a friend told me like, oh, it's pretty fucked up. Like you should watch this movie. I know you like, you know, these weird horror movies but for some reason i started it and was like i'm kind of bored by this i think i was put off by watching it now how immediate the the aesthetic is like okay this was almost like a home movie is what it looks like you know it's so indie looking uh in the quality and you know very much these are for the most part indie actors in this thing you're you're one established actor is you know doug jones of collaborating with Guillermo del Toro fame, uh, who is in the one scene as Walter in the, in the tunnel. Uh, and he's in that one scene and you're like, okay, they spent a bunch of money probably to get Doug locked in to be in this movie. Was he uh, big at the time? Yeah, he's been, he's been big for, okay. well, horror movie, big, you know, cult sure. movie, big for since Hocus Pocus, that was his breakout. He was the zombie in Hocus Pocus. Okay. So, um, but yeah, uh, 
he's like your one name guy. And then everybody else are people that I see that have continued to just work with Mike Flanagan. I knew this was somebody important. I knew it was someone we loves first flick. So I was correct there, but yeah, no, this, this is a slow burn. Like he loves to do. He front loads it with just this family drama. And then always the supernatural creeps in as he loves to, uh, to do. Um, I do like his, I like that you don't really know what's going on ever. There's not an explanation mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, you know what's going on in that. Can I talk spoilers? Spoilers, people. Spoilers. But first uh, watch it. That's what first, I say. Go watch it. Okay, go watch it. Then come back and listen. Although, wait, where did you watch it? Because it was not on Shudder. Uh, your site. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. I still have it. I got your site saved in my <laughs> in my uh, my web browser. So I found it. Um, but yeah. Go watch it, people, if you can find it. I'm going to talk spoilers in that. So you understand that, like, literally some weird bug thing is taking people just into, like, a parallel dimension. We know the mechanic, you know, that's what's happening. Why? What's happening? What the motivation of this thing is? Who freaking knows? And I love how mysterious that is. I do, too. It truly, like, it even scared me so much this time. Like, all of those shots with the missing husband with, like, his dark eyes and his open mouth. Like, every time that happened, I got the hairs on my neck standing up. Like, it, Mm -hmm. those genuinely creeped me out at least five times. And this is my second time watching it. I thought they were so effective and so often they weren't done. And there were a couple of those like traditional jump scares, like when she's walking up to him and then like she's touching him, but he's all of a sudden like turned around. But there were so many times where he was just there and there wasn't like a music sting. And it was just so genuinely frightening to me. It it really scared me. And I think all the stuff with the insect is done so well in regards to not showing too much, but there's like a big sound design. There's never like crappy CGI. It's yep. just very like, especially like that one shot when Katie, Callie, she's running in like to find the husband who's all of a sudden been dragged away and she's running up to the wall and like you see like the insect almost like pulling him in but it's such a fast shot and then it's like gone there's Mm -hmm. just like i had to like rewatch it and try to pause it to try to see it i just think it's very well done especially for like a first film that was mostly funded by kickstarter yeah kickstarter early early the early kickstarter days yeah um yeah it's just my big, my one huge gripe though, watching this thing all the way through is how they decided to end it. Like the very end, I felt because that last scene with the detective wannabe boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, I teared up a little bit in that last scene where he's trying, you know, he's making sense to himself, like why they're gone, where where did they go, that sort of thing. And that's a really emotionally powerful moment. Uh, and then he's out there putting up the missing person's poster. And I feel like it should have cut there. And As I feel opposed like to the, him seeing what maybe it is, was Callie or- Yes, exactly. Because I feel like that kind of swings it back into cheaper horror movie territory, like something schlockier, which this movie was not when it cuts over to like, he thinks he sees the ghost and then it cuts back to her standing in the tunnel and you see the, the bug legs like crawl up behind her. And you're like, uh, okay, that kind of cheapened Like it took away the emotional punch that just happened by being like, and boo, one last boo. And it's like, you should have cut that and just let it, 
I liked it. I, I, I wouldn't have liked it if it would have been a, like a jump scare. I would have yeah. that would have felt cheap to me, but I really liked that yeah. aspect. But the other thing I really love about this movie, and you sort of just touched on it, are those like little moments where someone's talking and we sort of see what could have happened. There's like maybe two or three of these segments where mm-hmm. someone's like, could this be happening? And you see these chunks of like this other possibility, which in all of the cases, it could have been that like, it could have been Callie actually all drugged up as opposed to this insect coming back. Like truly, I think that that is where the, where the, the truth of the story is, is like that there is this monster in this parallel dimension, but I love that he's like, maybe she was just high or whatever they're talking. And, and then you see Callie all like fucked up, like all like drugged up and all these things that could have happened. And it's also when she's talking about her husband and where he could have gone. And you see all these things of him, like driving by as like a CIA agent or whatever. Maybe this guy was a serial killer and he killed them. And like (laughs) they show him killing them. And it's like, Oh, that's, I like the, visualization yeah and i just think it's cleverly done like they're just sort of weaved into the dialogue and i just i i love that also did you see the oculus mirror no i missed that it is in like the therapist's office when he's talking to her there you see it in the background i can't remember what it, it has a name the something mirror but you see it back there oh good work mr flanagan building a universe from the get go (laughs) And I really like, I really like Callie. I think she's great. And I think the missing husband is very creepy and very good. The other acting is a little questionable, mainly the cops. Like, like when he comes back, why do they treat him like such a criminal? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, he's been missing. Like, where the fuck has he been? But he's obviously distraught and obvious. Like, it doesn't feel like an act. Like, it feels very authentic. So why are you treating him like such an asshole? Mm-hmm. And there's the layer of the cop having a relationship with. Well, he wanted to get with the guy's wife. But then the other guy should be such an asshole. Yeah. But this movie also touches on something I love, which is when horror films weave in things about recovery and addiction, which Mike Flanagan, I don't know if he's ever had anything like that in his life, but this Hell House or Hill House and... Mm -hmm. Um, and Dr. Sleep all very much deal with these same issues with recovery and addiction. And I love them so much. And I think this movie does it so well because she obviously is still struggling with it. But you think she's got it all under control. And she I also, doesn't. And she doesn't. But she also doesn't like fully like she obviously gets high like it is, you know, reference and it does show it. But. It, she's still dealing with it. She still has her life a little bit more together, but then like she's struggling. And I just, I love how it's done. I love how it never straight up says heroin, although that's pretty yeah. much what you imagine it to be. Because she talks about like chasing the dragon, which I think that's yeah, a heroin which is term. A her- right? That's a heroin term. I kind of wish it was even more vague. There was just the box, which you always saw and you rarely saw, like you didn't really see what was in it, but you always kind of knew Mm-hmm. I wish it was even just a little more vague than they went, but I do love that it weaves that in. And can she be trusted because she is an addict? Like, can we trust what she says? And and I, I just love that. I love it so much. And it just, I think she is really, really good in the movie. Yeah, I like, I, I mean, even the questionable actors, because I was like, yeah, a lot of this acting is definitely like, these are, oh my God, I just got my first role in this indie movie, like type of actors, because they're going for it. They're trying. It's not necessarily, you know, the most 
sophisticated performances or well-crafted performances, but everybody's going for it. And I think everybody's charming enough that it's easy to look beyond like, okay, that was wonky. That's weird line delivery. That's, you know, not sure what he's going for there emotionally, but that kind of like the world grew on me. Like it felt very indie and very, you know, low budget, somebody's first movie. Uh, with some kind of wonky performances here or there in the beginning. But I feel like by the end of the movie, it all helped. Like all the pieces came together. It was a wonderful soup. Every ingredient helped it along. That score is incredible. I went and looked it up on Spotify and started listening Mm. to the soundtrack because I'm like, this weird ambient score is just so cool uh, that they got. Actually, Maniac Cop 2. I forgot to say that. Great score in that one as well. So a couple (laughs) of really cool cool soundtracks to both these movies. And the other thing I wish would have been a little less obvious, although it's definitely less obvious here than in the ice cream man is the parallels to like a children's story. Oh yes. Because I wish here they wouldn't, they would have barely touched on the Billy goats gruff because it is like a parallel of that or like sort of like a, a dark horror retelling and mm-hmm. they, they, they don't bash it over your head, but it definitely is like DA get it, which I don't know that story super well, but I appreciate that it doesn't like read it to me, which is what the ice cream man did with the Pied yeah. Piper. Like it yeah. bashes you over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not like the three Billy goats gruff has much substance to it. Cause like, it's such a superficial connection to be like, so that's a story about a troll that lives under the bridge and eats some goats and then, you know, and takes them under the bridge. And then this movie is like, there's a thing that lives in a tunnel under a bridge and it takes people away. And you're like, yeah, it's a real vague concept. You know, it's not like it's literally the same plot. It's just an idea. So I thought that was kind of weird to even talk about the three Billy goats gruff like at all. Cause it has so little to do with the actual plot. Um, other than that's, a thematic element. But that's what I love. Take a children's story and take it's, the idea of it. And, but at the same time, you're it. right. It is, it's flavor. It's just flavor to the story, to the world that they have that in there. But um, I do like the one line where she's talking about, because I'm like, this is how I talk to people, where I'm like, just have a normal conversation for once. Like the memes are like, but then I'm like, well, you know, According to subatomic particles, you know, there's space in between everything. So is anything really solid and you can just slip into a parallel dimension? And I'm like, yeah, those are the things I ponder. So, <laughs> The only other interesting little tidbit is that the gal who plays Trisha was actually like seven months pregnant when they filmed it. Yeah, as I watched, I was like, she she's really pregnant. She has to be because of just. Oh, I didn't think that, but. Oh, I, I don't know. Your I was cuts. just thinking like the way she carried herself and all that. I'm like, I think she's actually pregnant and that's not, you know, a costume or a prosthetic. So, but yeah, I think it is a decent little flick. And if you love Mike Flanagan, if you love any of his work, it's worth hunting down. I think you can rent it on, you know, your digital areas or yeah. whatever. This is one of those flicks too. Like the first time I watched it, it was on Netflix, like lived there forever. And I'm like, why, why did you guys get rid of it? There's certain movies that seem to have always been there. And then all of a sudden they're gone. So and it definitely was on shutter. Cause that is where I watched it at one point. So it's coming and going. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it'll pop up somewhere again, more available, but yeah, this was pretty effective. Yeah. And definitely one of the scarier movies I've watched in a long time, just in regards to it giving me the creeps while watching it. And I greatly appreciate that, especially because it was my second time watching it in like less than two years. So 
it is a, a recent and sometimes when you watch them on the second you're like yeah mm, not as great but here i i liked it probably even more good stuff so out of we'll just take this analogy out of five billy goats graph Ooh, five <laughs> how many billy goats, billy goats do you give it this one also gets a three and a half all right i'm gonna give it a four i'm raising it a half star for my nice. original review cool so another scare of approval i love the double scare of approval it's a double yes. header we love double fisting it yeah <laughs> yeah it feels good well jeremy that was fun those were some good movies i'm looking forward to more next week is my birthday episode so you better watch out Ooh, it's gonna, gonna be give good. you yep i'm gonna give you ernest is gets scared stupider and what else did you give me <laughs> Pumpkinhead. You're gonna do Pumpkinhead too, I hope. Yep. You know, those are the movies I'm gonna pick. So Which was not a good movie from what I remember. So <laughs> no, but next week will be that. And then we already have the week after that planned, which should be super fun. Yeah, it just man, we're we're getting things lined up. We got some fun special episodes for a couple. We've got some other stuff down the pipe yes, coming. Yes, we do. We have them coming, and I am so excited. We got plans. We're making yeah, we, moves. We got big plans. Big plans. Well, if you want to write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta and dive into our DMs. And as my husband likes to say, why don't you smash that like button? <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking too smash that like button please subscribe subscribe but yes yeah, subscribe rate us write a little review on apple podcast we love that um you know it's always appreciated so thanks for all your support that's that's right guys and hail paymon and remember, evil dies tonight <laughs> and keep watching and talking about those scary movies because Scaring is sharing. Yeah, buddy. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.